I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the Sirens. Sirens. Today we're talking about The Thin Man, which is a mystery slash maybe thriller slash screwball maybe um, comedy that was made in the 1930s um, starring William Powell and uh, Myrna Loy and it spun off multiple uh, sequels to it. It was a series that lasted for maybe too long. So, um, not unlike today, that's when right. <laughs> they make tons of sequels anytime something's successful. <laughs> <laughs> they don't kill it before it dies. Um, yeah, so The Thin Man was, um, it's a detective story um, starring, or with a, the, a detective called uh, Nick Charles, and his wife is Nora Charles. Um, he used to be a, a fairly successful detective in New York City before he married the daughter of a um, very wealthy man. Um, and then he retires from detecting um, in order to take care of her money. Um, and then when the movie opens, um, a man, an inventor, um, who is involved with some shady characters, um, goes missing. And the movie is, is about the, the search for this man um, and some ensuing, ensuing murders. There's a lot of dead bodies along the way. Um, but also about uh, Nick and Nora Charles and their relationship and their, like, pattering banter and um, and how Nick gets back into the detecting business. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a delightful romp. <laughs> um, delightful romp is, like, the best, <laughs> best way to describe it. I have some trivia about the movie. Um... Skippy, who played Asta the dog, Yay. my favorite character, of course. <laughs> apparently bit Myrna Loy during the filming. And this was not the first movie he did with William Powell, who played Nick. Um, the dog worked with Powell in the Kennel Murder Case, which came out in 1933. And then he appeared in all the other Thin Man movies. So it was it's the, the same, same dog, dog actor. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's kind of amazing. And I actually wondered if this dog was the inspiration for the dog and the artist. Did you see the artist that came out some oh, years yeah. ago? Because it was a very similar dog look, mm-hmm. and I felt like he was used in a similar way in the movie. Yeah. So, And this was my first time seeing the Thin Man, so I was like, oh, I really like that reference to the artist. <laughs> Um, according to Myrna Loy, the actors were not allowed to interact between takes with Skippy, who played Asta, because he performed his feats on the promise of a squeaky mouse and a biscuit. So I guess if he was very focused on the squeaky mouse, they couldn't have any distractions. Um... The Thin Man is based on a novel, and it was originally intended as a B-movie, so it was, like, really low budget. Um, they made it on 231000 and they filmed the entire thing in 12 days. Oh my gosh. And then it became a huge box office hit and made $1.4 million. Yeah. Um, supposedly, all the banter between Nick and Nora was based on the writer of the novel, Dashiell Hammett. I'm not sure. Yeah, Dashiell Hammett. Dashiell Hammett. Um, and his on-again, off-again relationship with Lillian Hellman, who was a playwright. Which to- totally makes sense, because you don't have that kind of repartee and have it not be writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
MGM was the studio that made this, and they were actually concerned that it wasn't going to get past the censors because there were a couple lines that were sort of working blue, like um, Nick says, he didn't come anywhere near my tabloids, and Nora <laughs> says, what's that man doing in my drawers? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Which was one of my favorite lines from it. But apparently they made a pass because those lines are still in it. And finally, most people think that the title The Thin Man is referring to Nick, mm-hmm. but that's actually not true. The Thin Man is actually the man who was killed, mm-hmm. who they keep referring to as being like a thin, white-haired man. But the uh, audiences who saw the movie all made the same mistake of thinking it was Nick, so they just named all the movies The Thin Man and yeah. embraced it. <laughs> I kept wondering at the end, too, like, why is it called The Thin Man? Like, he wasn't particular. I mean, he was thin, but it wasn't, like, a defining characteristic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, funnily, too, the the book actually covers, like, this, the first movie only covers the first part of the book. That the, like, the book itself takes, like, two or three movies to cover all of it. Um is funny too that like it's called the thin man and it isn't even the book isn't even just about the thin man the inventor who dies Mm. so have you read the book Mm -hmm. i read it a long time ago do you so the way that it opens with nick and nora married and him sort of coming back to new york it almost felt to me like this wasn't the first movie in the series or something like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like I was kind of like, well, what's that backstory? How did they... I wanted to know more about them, and I wondered if in the book it started at the same spot or not. I don't remember. My memory is that that it did start in the same way, that, like, this case with with the inventor and his family is, like, the first third of the book, and then, like, there's other stuff after that, but I don't remember for sure. It's been, like, probably 12 years since I've read the book. I kind of feel like reading the book now. I, <laughs> I want more of this repartee. That's right. It has sort of a like Raymond Chandler um, feel to it, but a little funnier than that because it's definitely in it. Well, I have to say that Hillary loaned me her DVD, and it was not just The Thin Man, but it was an entire set, and I have not given it back yet because <laughs> I want to watch the rest of the movie. So. Um, I'm, my memory is that, like, they're, like, the second one is good, and the third one is pretty good, and then the fourth one is terrible. And, like, and also the fourth one was made in, like, the 40s. So it, it's a different yeah. time, and everybody's older, and it's less. People probably wanted a more comforting mm-hmm. type movie. Yeah, this movie felt very 1930. Like, mm-hmm. 1930s New York, like, all the eccentricities and the drinking and all of that. Yeah. Um, well, I know Marin Alloy is one of your favorites because recently you were asked to describe yourself in three characters and she was one of the ones you picked. <laughs> Nor Charles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I watched this movie the first time early enough that, like, um, that, like, the character of Nora Charles had, like, a profound effect on my life. She was born um, in Montana, in Helena, Montana. Um, her birth name was Myrna Adele Williams. Um, her father died um, in 1918 of the Spanish flu. Um, and her mother, who had had pneumonia when Myrna Loy was, like, 
like a younger girl um, and had spent some of her like convalescing time in Southern California, um, her mother took the opportunity um, provided by her father's death of, you know, like now they had to move somewhere and find, start a new, start a life over again. She moved the family out to Southern California, um, back to where she had been. Um, and for a while, uh, she, Myrna attended this exclusive girls school, um, and continued to study dance, um, which she had started when she was younger, but her teachers, um, disapproved of her interest in um, the theatrical arts and so her mother put her in public school um, where she could um, like actually start appearing in stage productions um, and then she started acting um, in movies and some silent films and she was originally typecast in more exotic roles because of the way that her like face is shaped I guess um, often as uh, as a vamp or a woman of Asian descent, sort of strangely. <laughs> um, but her um, her role in The Thin Man was sort of a turning point in her, her career um, um, so that she actually became, like, a, a known face, a known, like, name. Uh, she was never actually nominated for um, a, an Academy Award, but in 1991, a few years before she died, um, she was presented with an honorary Academy Award. Um, and she continued to act, um, you know, in the intervening years, but in, um, World War II, she actually served as an assistant to the directory of, mil to the director of military and naval welfare for the Red Cross. Um, and she was such an outspoken, um, critic of, um, Adolf Hitler that, um, her name actually appeared on his blacklist. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. It's a good blacklist to be on. That's right. <laughs> She's on the right side of history. Um, she helped run a naval auxiliary canteen um, and toured frequently to raise funds. Um, and after World War II, or just after the war ended, she um, um, she appeared in the, the film The Best Years of Our Lives, which was a sort of a very sober um, movie about the end of the war. Pretty sure. Is that also a book? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't the know. movie was made in 1945, so that seems like it would be a really fast turnaround. But uh, I feel like I've seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, it's very depressing. Um, I mean, as it would be. <laughs> um, she also um, apparently was a, a very fierce advocate of um, the rights of black actors, and she promoted, um, she wanted characters to be... Um, black characters to be depicted with dignity in film. Um, and uh, later in the 1950s, she was appointed a member at large of the U.S. Com Commission to UNESCO. Which is, so she's sort of in line with, in some ways with like Audrey Hepburn, who sort of um, merged acting, like merged her celebrity, or used her celebrity yeah. for good. And Shirley Temple Black. Too. Oh yeah, and Shirley Temple Black. Badass women. <laughs> well, I know that William Powell, who played Nick, was a big fan of hers and really liked working with her. That came up a lot when I was doing the research. That he said that she, you know, wasn't a diva, and when he delivered his lines, he really listened and like interacted well with her, and was just it, you know, great to play scenes with. So. I think it was nice they did so many movies together. Yeah. 
So William Powell actually came up in the theater. He worked in New York for 10 years on the stage, um, and that was more of his acting background before he transitioned to movies around 1924. And he actually didn't get to be a big star right away or anything like that. So he had been an actor for a long time before that happened. Um, he had mostly small roles when he was with Paramount Pictures. And then his star-making role was in The Canary Murder Case in 1929. It, he was in a lot of detective movies, although supposedly with his theater background, he was good kind of at playing all different kinds of roles. Like he mm-hmm. could do humor, he could do villain, he could do hero, like any of that. So, his, But it just happened that a lot of his popular movies were detective-type <laughs> cases. Um So with the transition to talkies around that time, it hurt a lot of actors, but it actually helped him with his theater background. He had a really great voice, and he was very adaptable from having that kind of experience in front of a live audience, and he just transitioned perfectly. Um, In 1934, he moved to MGM, where he first teamed with Myrna Loy in Manhattan Melodrama. And then the next movie they did was The Thin Man, which made him super famous and he got an academy award nomination for the thin man and later starred in the best picture winner the great zigfield which won in 1936 and then he that same year he received a second academy award nomination for my man godfrey which we should do we should totally know Uh, During this same time, he met Gene Harlow on set, and they fell in love and got engaged. And then this is sort of the tragic part of his life. In 1937, he was filming Double Wedding, and Harlow was filming on another studio set, and she got sick and had to go to the hospital and died suddenly. So her death really devastated him. She was really young, right? She was like 27? Yeah, she And I think, I mean... She's... She was um, Jehovah's Witness, too, so she, like, wouldn't actually allow any... Is that why she died? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. I did not know I that. Think she, I think she... I can't remember if it was if she was Jehovah's Witness or some other um, religious group that, like, doesn't, doesn't really um, encourage medical... Maybe Church of Science... Christ Scientist? Maybe I... And this is, well, was that I'm showing, even big then? I don't know. I'm showing my religious ignorance. <laughs> We're going to have to look into it. So he took six weeks off from the film that he was doing at the time to mourn. He finished that film, and then he took a year off from acting. And um, he eventually did five sequels to The Thin Man, the last one in 1947, like you mentioned. And his last film role was in 1955. But sort of after that happened with Gene Harlow, he he appeared less frequently in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, he, it wasn't the main focus of his life anymore, it seemed like, after that. So kind of, kind of a downer ending for him. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to get into it with the, with the movie? I know you love this movie, so I want to hear. Yes. Um, well, one of the things that I love about this movie is the, the like, repartee between the two of them, the, the zingers they have between each other. It's clear that they have a, like, um, I don't know, my, like, watching of the film is that, like, they have a pretty equal relationship, even though um, 
like he's the one that has some kind of like career drive. She's the one who's like pushing him into it. Even like he's ready to retire and look after her money. And she's like, no, no, this is going to be exciting and you should do it. And I'm going to help you. And, um, you know, and she goes off sniffing for, you know, sniffing for clues, um, on her own. I mean, it's not a perfect relationship, but, um, I feel like for like the relationships that are like portrayed in film at the time was not terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was interesting how he was he was like depicted as this sort of like almost like not a playboy is not the right word but like he was sort of rich and like didn't have any occupation after marrying Nora and was just like having fun and being idle and drinking all the time. Yeah. Um, he was fine being just like a socialite. Yes. <laughs> And I wondered how that compared with other famous detectives in pop culture. Because usually, if there's a defective, sort of along the Sherlock Holmes lines, or even like Monk, Mm -hmm. where it's like they're super brilliant, but there's always some other kind of neuroses or something. And with him and the excessive drinking... I wondered if it was that kind of thing. Like, he was so smart that, like, having this idle life... I don't know. He needed some other kind of stimulus. But they played it all for laughs. I mean, that's kind of a dark reading. But I mean, the whole time, like any scene where it's possible, he is drinking other people's drinks and like pouring drinks. And like even when they wake up in the middle of the night, they're like, do you want a drink? I mean, they, they are drinking and they're drinking heavy stuff. It's not like, like they're having a sip of beer or something. So, I mean, that was a strong theme in the movie, I thought. Um, and I even wondered in the beginning when he jokes that he came back to New York because his wife was on a bender or something like that. I wondered if they went back to New York because really, like, he was on a bender. <laughs> and she thought, oh, if you could be around your friends or something. Um, one of my favorite scenes was the party scene. Yeah, I thought that was very well executed because it was, like, all these people and all these, like, characters coming in and out. And, like, this intrigue of the, like, the family members, but then, like, also the Nick and Nora, like, having their, their, uh, exchanges and making a lot of drinks, and... (laughs) And she says at one point, you know what I love about you? You know the most interesting people. (laughs) Which was kind of hilarious, that it, it seemed very, sort of, like, that bohemian socialite type trend where like they were really wealthy but then they were hanging out with like the cops and yeah you know people he had sent up (laughs) yeah like criminals and like that sort of like we're just gonna all mix because it's the depression and that's it's It's very egalitarian (laughs) yes um what did you think of the other characters the characters who were really involved in the murder case yeah um, I, well, I liked that there was this, like, like social hierarchy that was sort of getting mixed up, like, with the, the, um, you know, his, the inventor's girlfriend is his secretary, but then he's, he has this ex-wife who's, like, depending on money from him still, and, 
Um, and she has this, like, new husband who doesn't have a job and isn't interested in working and is, like, interested in living off of the inventor's money, too. And, you know, and the children who are, like, clearly adults still live with their mother. And, um, uh, I mean, it's sort of like, there's, they're, I thought they were all very interesting characters. But yeah, they were all a bunch of leeches. <laughs> they were all such leeches. Although I was, I like, I, I am always relieved whenever I watch The Thin Man that um, Dorothy's, what's her name? The daughter? Yeah. Yeah, the Dorothy, that Dorothy's, like, fiancé isn't a jerk. Yeah. He is a nice guy, and, like, throughout all this, he, like, stands by her and, um, you know, is supportive. You know, and he just seems like the kind of guy who probably, like, you know, has a job that he has to go to every single day, but, like, it's, you know, really cares about her, even though her family is clearly insane. <laughs> I know. Would you want to marry into that no. family? <laughs> I also thought that the character, a, a lot of the characters, and I mean, this is still true today, but they didn't look like the, except for the actual thin man who was murdered. <laughs> That none of the characters who were supposed to play the older people looked older. Like yeah. the Mimi, who was supposed to be Dorothy's mother, did not look older, and her new husband looked like he could have been like the son's age. It was just yeah. they I all actually, blended together. Yeah, I actually, when we were done watching the movie, I looked up to see how old that the actor who plays Mimi, the mother, how old she, if she was actually old enough. That actor was old enough to play Marino Sullivan, the woman who played Dorothy. Um, to play her mother, and I think they were, like, 18 years apart. So, so like, just maybe barely. <laughs> feasible. <laughs> they all were, with the exception of Dorothy and Tommy, everyone was kind of a terrible person. <laughs> um, even the inventor guy yeah. was, like, a grouch. Yeah. And we never got to find out when he, in the very beginning, when he said he was going away and he couldn't tell anyone. We didn't know where he was going. Where was he going? Why was he going? I wanted to know. (laughs) (laughs) What invention is he working on? Yeah. I loved the dinner party reveal scene. I just thought that was incredible. And I wonder, is that the first time that that trope was used? I don't know. I feel like there's... That it appears in like Agatha Christie, and I, and Agatha Christie is a little bit earlier than, than that, isn't it? It seems like it's the the trope, of the time. It seemed very nineteen thirties detective story. We're like, I'm gonna gather you all into a room and yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and who accepts that dinner party invitation? <laughs> like, oh, this this man who's investigating the murder just invited me randomly to his. <laughs> place for dinner. Although they did have to send New York cops out to, like, escort people in. Yeah, it was, like, not really an invitation. It was a, it was a summons. <laughs> it was a subpoena. The cops were very compliant. They would be like, how are we getting this guy dinner party? All right. Sure, that yeah, works. Whatever. It's fine. That was great. Did you, well, you've seen this since you were little, but... I didn't know who did it in the end. Well, I, I this is a movie that I always forget who do, does it. So, like, by the time we got to the dinner party scene, I was like, I can't remember. I know it's, a, like, I, I know it's going to be a big reveal, and I can't remember who did it. And even now I have to, like, keep reminding remind myself who was, who was, who did it. That's the thing with mysteries, and I really love reading mysteries, too. Like, that's a genre that I enjoy, like, um, historical mysteries. But... 
I don't know if this is just my experience, but in general, I find that it really, I don't care that much about who did it or anything like that. It's just like I enjoy the experience yeah. of the mystery. Right. The process of the mystery. Because when I reread them, I never remember who did it, yeah. which that part never made an impression on me. It was more just like spending time with those characters. So I liked it a lot. Um, I was also struck by, and this is true of a lot of old movies, but just how much time they took with some of the scenes that mm-hmm. never would have happened now. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, like things taking place slowly, like when Nick goes to the inventor's warehouse. Yeah. And all the time they took, just, like, having him walk in and, like, look around mm-hmm. and walk up the steps. I, you know, you would never see that today. No. Well, and and now even it would be a little bit better lit. You would actually yes. be able to see it. <laughs> yeah, that a lot of that scene, I was just staring at the screen like, did the movie go well? <laughs> is this still happening? <laughs> also, that is a very well-behaved dog, because if I took my dog to an abandoned warehouse and someone else was sneaking around in it too, they would totally get me away with barking and freaking out and stuff. So. <laughs> Good job, Skippy. <laughs> Slash Aston. Oh, beautiful girl, what a gorgeous creature, beautiful girl, let me call a preacher, what can I do but give my heart to you? The costumes. Well, the one that really stuck out to me was Nora's dress in the cocktail party scene, the striped dress. Yeah, with the, like, with the tool that goes out. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was gorgeous. I just made, I just, um, for our podcast, I made a visual reference. (laughs) Uh, She looked great in all the scenes, but it's interesting because I don't often, I don't as often watch a lot of movies from around this year, and I was also very struck by the um, bell sleep, the crazy bell sleeps. (laughs) (laughs) How does anyone get anything done in those I don't know. They were, like, going down to the ground. It wasn't, like, a subtle bell. This was full-on bell. (laughs) Full-on bell. (laughs) Yeah, I thought they were great. Were there any costumes you liked in particular? Um, Or didn't like? I wasn't that, like, interested in, like, Mimi's clothes. I was sort of interested in the difference between, like, Julia's clothes, the secretary's, her outfit outfits that she wore that were, you know, more plain and, and basic and um, versus, like, you know, Nora's ridiculous, like, bell sleeves, totally all over the place, crazy outfits. Um, but um, one thing that I what was remarkable to me was that they're, like, on Christmas morning when they're, you know, like, hanging around in there, or it's probably like Christmas afternoon, given mm-hmm. the amount that they had, had been drinking and were continuing to drink, that um, they were still, like, hanging around in their pajamas and then they just, like, welcome people into their house in their pajamas, which was sort of surprising to me. But Yeah, I don't know if I would do that now. Unless it was someone I knew really well. Yeah. <laughs> the clothes were pretty fabulous, though. I mean, I just love all the evening dress and everything. Yeah. Although the hair I was not as crazy about. No. Like, the... Um, pin curls, super, like, plastered to the forehead. Like, Norris didn't look like that, but a lot of the other women yeah. had that. Yeah. It's not a good look. Not a good look. 
I'm sorry. But I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. Did you feel like there was a social justice element to this movie? No. I didn't really feel it. No. I mean, pretty much no one is likable or deserving of help in this movie. <laughs> there were a couple subtle things that that were subtext that were sort of, I mean, at least like, like you know, that potential alcoholism. And also the, like, isn't domestic abuse hilarious <laughs> when, there? I mean, there's the one scene where Nick knocks out Nora to, like... Well, um, she's pushing, he's pushing her out of the line of fire. Yeah. But it's sort of, the way that it's filmed, he, like, basically punches her. <laughs> and there's a loud, like, thwack <laughs> for comedic effect. And there's another scene, too, where they're sort of elbowing each other, and I thought, like, oh, isn't that cute? And then he kind of, like, raises his arm like he's really going to hit her, and Mike and I were both like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> um, yeah. I did notice that there was one person of color in the movie, and it was the train porter <laughs> at the end, and I was like, Surprise. So, but yeah, this, I think of all the movies we watched, this had the least element of that. But I think it makes sense for this time period because people just wanted like a fun distraction in the 30s, and that's what they were going for. Now we should watch My Man Godfrey again. I don't think I'll do anything of importance that will displease you. But, Mother, from now on, you must give me complete freedom. In Did you think this movie passed the Bechtel test? Mm. Well, there was a lot of conversation between women about, like, the inventor, you know, and he was, you know, so he was the dad and the ex-husband. Um, Nora didn't, Nora had some conversations with um, Dorothy mm-hmm. that were... Um, they were just like, oh, how are you? You know, know, like, let me take care of you kinds of conversations. Um, So I think maybe it does. Yes. One thing I'm not clear about with the Bechtel test is, does it have to be that they don't talk about a man at all? Or is it they don't talk about a man in a relationship context? I don't know. We're going to have to do some research about yeah, because I think if it's not in a relationship context, then this probably passes. Yeah. But if it's just not, a man at all, then it doesn't pass. <laughs> right. I mean, there, it was interesting to see the way, as you were mentioning, the women of different classes were portrayed in the film. Mm-hmm. Like, Julia gets killed. And, and, I mean, she's not really depicted in a flattering light, but... She's kind of, like, trying to make a way for herself, I guess, yeah. as, like, a mistress and using her smarts to get money. And yeah. a, a, a lot of the women in the movie are very concerned with money. <laughs> I think this is a movie about money. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, pretty much. That's all anyone cares. In terms of, like, the murders and the only reason people care about finding out what happened to them, for the most part, is yeah. because of money. Yeah. So, it's it doesn't have a super like fond view of humanity. No, <laughs> but it's played for laughs. That's right. <laughs> but it's funny, so it's fine. 
Uh, so what rating would you give the movie? Um, I would say a 4.5, because it's, you know, for some of those things that we've already talked about, that it, like, it's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in it, but it is funny, and it is entertaining, mm-hmm. and even though there are some elements that are a little bit confusing or not very clear, it still has Nick and Nora in it, so it's fun. <laughs> what would you give it? I would give it four stars, and I enjoyed the husband and wife dynamic in this, um, and I liked the mystery, and I just liked how fun, it was just a fun movie. Um, I thought the acting was really good in it, especially William Powell, I thought was great. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> and from what I had read, a lot of stuff was improvised, too, so... Mm. I just, it seemed like the actors had a really good dynamic. And I'm going to watch more of them. So it obviously. So I'm not getting that box set back. No, the box set is not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) So what is our next movie going to be? An American in Paris, right? We're going to go back to the musicals? Gene Kelly for the win. (laughs) (laughs) So watch along, sing along, dance along, (laughs) and we'll see you next time. (laughs) After all, tomorrow. Here's another day!